Hello and welcome to At The Pass. I'm your host Adam Vetterell, and this is a show about the Ottawa restaurant scene for the Ottawa restaurant scene. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to At The Pass. Today my guest is Marisol Foucault, one of Ottawa's favourite chefs, and if her TV career keeps taking off, soon to be one of Canada's favourite chefs. Her restaurant, Chez can rightly be regarded as an area institution, which is impressive given its location. Welcome, Marisol. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi. <laughs> so I can't wait to talk to you about so many different things. But before we get into that, um, I'm just going to start by asking you the same question I ask everyone, which is, um, what did your path to becoming a chef look like? And why did you end up in this crazy business? Um, I ended up in this business because that's the job my dad pushed me towards. Oh, wow. That's um, very rare. <laughs> um, I guess when I was 14, um, my dad said that I could go and go out and, and, and buy my own stuff and make money um, with a job. So um, he, um, I guess, how do you say, plugged me with the right people. Um, mm-hmm. I worked, for those who are old enough to remember this, I worked at Top Banana. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> Top Banana was, I guess, like Market Fresh uh, yeah. at the time. And I did some food preparation at Top Banana. I worked in the deli. Um, and then um, my dad got me other jobs in, in, in real restaurants um, afterwards. Uh, I worked at a place called um, Le Twist. So oh, yeah. uh, Le Twist is where Swef is right now. Yeah. It, it was a. Um, like a burger joint. It was really fun. It was, uh, it was also a really open-minded place, I guess. And that's why my dad really wanted me to work there. He, um, he did hood vents. My dad worked in ventilation and he obviously did a lot of restaurants and he was like, this restaurant is cool. These people are nice. These people are really open-minded and um, I'm sure they'll treat my 80 pound daughter really well. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I did dishes. Um, when I came in, usually I started the dishwasher and I cleaned all the ashtrays from um, oh. the patio. <laughs> uh, then I cleaned all the floors and I cleaned the toilets. And afterwards, I would go on and um, do whatever remaining dishes, uh, clean lettuce and cut fries and uh, peel some carrots. <laughs> So <clears throat> that was my start. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy that, that you started by cleaning toilets and, and yeah. ashtrays and you're like, yeah, this is for me. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, but I think I liked, um, I was a really shy, I still am pretty shy, uh, but I was a really shy child and teenager and I really kept to myself. I liked listening to music. So... I guess this job was right for me. I was, I was alone. Uh, I was doing my thing. I could set goals and, and just power through my day. Um, I didn't feel like working in, in a clothing store like my friends did, you know, mm-hmm. um, and interacting with public really wasn't my thing either. So I just kept on doing it. 
Um, afterwards, I went on to another institution in Hull, um, I guess, which is Kajurdi. Kajurdi used to have food. Now it's only a bar, but it's been there forever. And the same owner had three restaurants and I worked at the three of them. Um, Pizzazza and uh, 1908, which doesn't exist anymore, but Pizzazza still does exist. And um, my days consisted of going sometimes at the three restaurants and I would do like these 12 hour shifts and I would sometimes run to work on top <laughs> of working my 12 hour shift. So I was really into uh, running and cycling to work. Um, which is probably why I weighed only 80 pounds at the time. <laughs> and I kept on, uh, I worked for that, for Francois, like the, the owner of three restaurants for five or six years, I think. Um, and that was really center town hall. And I started being kind of tired of the, um, the really fast paced, uh, like setting of those restaurants, you know, like all the government workers finish at 11.30, 11.35, they're at the door and yeah. 12.30, they're all out and you did 250 pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <clears throat> I wanted something slower and eventually I worked in Chelsea, um, in old Chelsea. The restaurant I worked in doesn't exist anymore, but um, we had a garden uh, it was beautiful. I still cycled to work uh, from Gatineau and my days were just marvelous. <laughs> I would go out and see the pumpkins in the fall and I would bake a lot. Uh, I loved it. I loved our customers. It was always like the same customers, you know, like a regular, really easygoing uh, customer base. And I, I fell in love with that model. I think this is why my restaurant right now is not in Centertown. Mm -hmm. um, I love being able to see people's faces and to see that they're having fun and that they're enjoying themselves in the dining room as well, that they're laughing. I, this is why I have an open kitchen as well. I love hearing people laugh. Um, you can hear them smile. You can hear them eat. <laughs> yeah, I, I, As, um, I think I didn't care about that. And, and since COVID, I'm noticing I miss it a lot. <laughs> yes. I, I would still have a loud, full dining room. Even if the people were annoying me with their, like, scream laughing and stuff, I just oh, yeah. I miss it so much. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I, guess, I guess I do miss it. So at least, at least you knew that that's what you liked. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if once you've worked in like in a, how do you say, like center town, uh, like restaurant, like you have that in Ottawa as well, like really uh, fast paced, um, fast food restaurants. And, and then you work in, in a slower paced one, you really see the difference of even the chatter, the difference of uh, people's demeanors. Um, mm -hmm. It's as if some food was essential and then some food is um, more soulful. It's, it's, it's really, uh, feeding a part of, of someone's soul. At North and Navy, I feel like we, at the, around between like seven and eight thirty, we just get that big push that everyone gets in Ottawa. Uh, mm. and then it can feel like this crazy fast paced, stressful service, but I sort of get the vibe you're talking about sort of around nine thirty, 
um, when there's just a few tables. And I find like the, the people who are more into food and into the, the restaurant, they often come later anyway. So I kind of get that vibe later in the night where those are the people who want to talk about Italian food or whatever they want to talk about or just hear about the kitchen. So yeah, I, I definitely miss that a lot these days. <laughs> and maybe the seven o'clock crowd are parents who have yeah. a, a babysitter too, <laughs> but still love food. Something you and I can both <laughs> I'm, I'm actually now the five o'clock crowd when, uh, yeah. when we go out to dinner, we take our daughter at like right when the place first opens. We're that annoying table that's like <laughs> ordering before the kitchen's even ready. Yes, <laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, was would you say that's the restaurant? Because you definitely have a, a, a unique style to the way you cook. It's it's kind of homey, but there's always refined touches. And, and I find baking is always a big element. Like a lot of your dishes involve like a baked element. Uh, was that the place where you, where you sort of uh, kind of honed in on that as something you were really going to want to cook? Um, maybe it's, it's probably a part of, of me since I've been, uh, say, 16. Because as, as a girl, maybe not as much anymore, but just for reference and people who don't know me, uh, I'm 43 right now. So, uh, 16 is a long while ago. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> at 16, I, I was mostly pushed into the dessert corner, right? Um, yeah, girls always get pushed into the dessert corner. Yeah. Well, that's, I don't know. I think that's where girls belonged and, um, I didn't mind much and, um, but not going and uh, not, having been to culinary school, uh, it, it was a lot of trial and error, right? Because <laughs> baking is a science and I had no science and, uh, no, um, no schooling about it. So I really winged it and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but it, I think it's still, it's still a lot of the way I cook today. Um, like, I think that's really interesting because if, like a lot of people who have formal training still kind of avoid those, those like pastry centered entrees. Mm -hmm. And because they're so tricky, like so many times when I see your food, I, I always think like, God, I, I'd hate to have to try to execute that during service over and over again. <laughs> With no training, you're just like banging them out all, all service. It's, it's terrifying to me. I, I think, I think I have this like, no fear and no regret approach to to cooking and baking um if if i don't try it then i'll never know and i'm i'm always asking myself like what if and what else and how can i do it otherwise mm -hmm. so and maybe this is a product of me not having been to culinary school because i have no like there's no inner voice that says no, you can't do that. No, you shouldn't. You know, it's just, it, I'm just, I'm going to try and then I'm going to fail and retry another way. Okay. So once you decided on the style of cooking that you liked, how many steps was it until you moved on to opening Shea Edgar and Odile? Um, I, I stepped out of the kitchen for a while. Um, mostly because a lot of restaurants in Hull were closing and everything was moving to Ottawa. And I worked in some Ottawa restaurants a bit and I, I didn't really feel at ease. Mm. I think um, being, being a woman and being a very small woman and being still very young. I mean, 
some of the people I do hire now are even like younger than what the age I was when I worked in the market, but, and, and man, they're so good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wish I could have seen myself. Like you just want to go back and see how not good you were, you were, or good you were, but anyways, um, nightmares. (laughs) Yes. I don't know if I really was as efficient as I thought I was. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) Probably don't want to know, but, um, I just stepped out of the kitchen for a while and, 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 um, it was the first time I felt some, some snickering or some laughing because, uh, you know, I, I did pastry for a few restaurants and, and I was the only girl. And at, at one place I was the, probably the only person, well, the only person who spoke French and, and not many people spoke English either. So communication wasn't great. Um, I think I, I just felt really lonely and then I, I applied to work in um, catering businesses. Mm. Uh, I, I thought it was appealing um, just to get some experience uh, in, in big volume. And also, I think you're never, ever comfortable in, in, uh, in the catering business, unless you're doing like prep work. But if you're going on site, I really liked the idea that every day was a different challenge. Um, and thank you, Heather and Tracy at Epicuria for welcoming me. Um, they just sent me on all the jobs and, and sometimes it was a 10 person, uh, really lovely dinner in a huge mansion. And sometimes it was a 300 person Italian wedding. Um, Mm. and, I had to organize the teams and I had to uh, ensure that the kitchen wasn't running out of food and uh, everything was packed right. And, um, and sometimes I cooked, sometimes I didn't. Uh, I always felt under pressure and slightly stressed and I, I really liked it. You're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You're describing like everyone else's nightmare. This is like, it's funny. I know. You weren't comfortable in <laughs> traditional kitchens, but then you you went into the thing that like most people have a heart attack about, uh, yeah. and we were like, "Yeah, this is perfect." <laughs> and then um, endless lists of everything, you know, like yeah, you have your list in the car, then you get to work, and you have more lists, and you exit with more lists, and you um, get to someone's house, and you take notes of everything, uh, remembering the hosts' names, the people that you have to be in contact with, the servers, um, and, and trying to be graceful the whole while as mm-hmm. well, uh, representing a company and, and sometimes you, you're eating shit and you have to smile <laughs> and pack up everything and get back in the car. And then the next day starts over and you have to be positive again. Um, that was always I mean, the part I hated about catering is I, I know packing <laughs> to the back and like you have to fill the car with all the dirty stuff and yep. get back to the place and unload it and yeah that's that's when I was like nah the same for me it's it's such hard work and you've done your 
big, huge day. And you hope that all the straps will stay on those shelves. <laughs> um, it happened to me once. I was driving the truck and um, the guy I was with hadn't strapped everything. Yeah. And some dishes fell and he was like, oh, you can drop me off here. And he just ran away. I'm like, no way. What? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, anyways, I gained so much experience, like in in like stress management and organization and volume, and all, like knowing how much food is for how many people and and what it should look like. And and this is this is probably what helped me the most. Um, at my own restaurant because we do do a lot of volume mm -hmm. um, and, and it's helping me right now in this weird COVID context as well, because we're just not working the same as we used to. Um, yeah. But that was in like a great training. And then I worked at urban element, uh, which I guess a lot of people know in Ottawa. Um, yeah. And I, I was an event coordinator um, slash everything else they needed. So I would um, clean dishes in high heels and a nice dress <laughs> some nights. Um, I would host uh, an Italian uh, cooking class without being really Italian because the chef wasn't there that night. Um, <laughs> and um, a very a memorable wedding um, that I had to uh, finish the food for because our chef was having um, appendicitis. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> that again, I mean, the stress levels on Sundays were pretty, like, pretty sweet. Okay, everything was fine. And then other days, you know, you never know. And, and your stress level is like up to the roof. And again, you have to smile and be gracious. And would you like to try this amazing white wine we just got in? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that's always the the hardest part is when you're hosting, but yeah, like things are just burning down behind you and you have mm -hmm. to like big smiles and oh, yeah. be so the face. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and when, while I was working there one day, um, I took a detour going into work because um, I think the Champlain bridge was closed or something. And, I went into this neighborhood not so far from my house and I saw a place for rent and it was really small. It was less than 400 square feet and the rent seemed okay. I saw it in the window and I was like, this is crazy. And my boyfriend said, you should do it. Um, <laughs> it's his fault if I have this right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... Um, I took the rent and I really thought I would run this place uh, on my own and I would cook and um, just put out dishes and people would come up to the counter and get their dishes and sit down and I'd ha have time to take pictures of the food mm -hmm. and write recipes and everything and that lasted two days. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. um, I was so sad to leave Urban Element. It really was like, one of my favorite jobs. And I announced um, to Carly the day that I was taking this um, rent. Um, 
like I said, Carly, I have something to tell you today. And she's like, oh, oh, I have something to tell you too. Oh, no. And I'm like, okay, well, you go first. And she's like, I'm pregnant. Uh. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yay, <laughs> I'm going away. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know how old her son is because he's as old as Edgar. <laughs> That's, That's an easy one to thing. remember. Um, and I, I renovated this place while I was still working at Urban Element. I tried giving Carly like the most time I could. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then that was Edgar. I didn't see, like, it's been a whirlwind for 10 years. Like, I, I don't think, think that was 10 years ago. That makes me feel old now. Cause yeah. I remember when that opened, <laughs> I don't, I, I would have guessed six. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, time flies. Uh, well, it'll be 10 years this fall. So Okay, yeah. So I'm not way off. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so when you first opened, you weren't uh, taking pictures of all the food and running the food yourself and cooking everything by yourself? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it took a while for me to have uh, staff in the kitchen. Um mostly because I, I have a lot of honor and, and I really thought I could still do it by myself. And I, I was always pushing it. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And, and now I know when to say that I am not, but I think back then I didn't know how to say that. So how long did you, how long did you last by yourself? Um, maybe eight months. That's completely. I think. Um, my father-in-law also bought me a commercial dishwasher maybe two months in because he was like your hands yeah <laughs> um yeah I and I'm so thankful I got help from uh, like many many friends when I opened I think that was the success of of all of this and mm -hmm. um, they saved my sanity. They they gave me advice um, that I did listen to at some point, um, and eventually it just transformed into like more and more what I wanted. And this year was supposed to be a, a big year for us and really going in somewhat of a different direction. But then I guess the universe had a different plan for everyone in restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I I also like that I can constantly change it. Yeah, and and that's the beauty of having your own place. I think so. I I'm I'm still very happy to be my own boss. <laughs> well, it sounds like you you took the hardest possible path to having your own restaurant. So, like a lot of people they find like they work for other people. And then when they open their own place, they're like, Oh, I couldn't believe how hard it was, but it sounds like you had a bunch <laughs> of really hard jobs even before. <laughs> well, you know, it, it brings, um, not brings, but it, it, you have empathy, yes. uh, understanding. And I know that personally, I don't always look like it and on the spot maybe some staff have not always liked me but hopefully they they like me afterwards I'm I'm very analytical and um 
I don't always smile when I'm working. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like in pictures, right? Um, <laughs> and um, I think it's always me analyzing, like, and, and thinking back, like, okay, um, what if you were in this person's shoes, right? And I want to fix the problem. The dishwasher is leaking everywhere and the poor dishwasher uh, is soaked and um, the place is full of people and I'm cooking and I can't stop cooking. And Mm -hmm. all I want to say to the dishwasher is make it work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's, it's, it's so hard being uh, the owner, the boss, the person that cooks um, and everything at the same time. You know, like uh, emotionally, I find, but it's still, it's still what I want um, because this is, it, it's my family. It's not just a job that I punch in and out uh, mm-hmm. once the day is done. Yeah, if it, it, I, I find that that role, the, you, you almost become like a... A parent, a grandparent, a parent, whatever. <laughs> As a result, that's that's something you have to factor in in terms of how how much of the cooking you're going to delegate to other people is you have to remember that a significant part of your week is going to be dealing with people's emotions and people's mm-hmm. people's complaints and all that's going to take a toll on you. So if you don't make space for yourself in that week, it's just going to it that's going to happen while you should be cooking anyways. And then you're either going to rush through something or 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 you're going to ignore it. And then you're just going to have a lot of staff turnover. So mm-hmm. it, it's something you have to deal with. Um, so, so everything sounds like it was really fun and you're having a great time. So you decided to open another restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that was a silly move. Um, I think mostly I did it because Edgar, well, Edgar is still and was opened only for lunchtime and breakfast. And you know, how like, <laughs> people have so many suggestions and comments and everything. And, and when you're insecure at first and you have your restaurant, you want to please everyone. And Mm -hmm. I honestly really did want to please everyone and everyone was asking for dinner. And I was like, you know what? I can do it. And uh, the person I was working with at the time, um, Michael, uh, was such a solid cook, and he also wanted to make dinner. We'd met at Epicuria, and um, mm. we were like, okay, let's find another spot for rent. And it took a while for us to find something, and it was really run down and really small. And both of us were like, yeah, it's small. We can do this. It's okay. <laughs> and uh, while Michael was at working at one, usually I was working at the other, like during brunch and uh, evenings we would work together um, at Odile. And um, eventually I'm, I'm pretty sure he did as well, but I totally burnt out Um I, I started having physical problems that I, you know, like, like total breakdowns uh, and, and feeling sick. And I was, I was puking in between services and um, it, it wasn't fun anymore, you know. And then the next morning you have to go and do brunch. Um, Those and, are such long days. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> I was sleeping in my car sometimes. Yeah. I was sleeping on uh, the banquette at Odile. Uh, I was trying to get sleep 
everywhere I could. I was so scared when I was driving home at night that I'd have an accident and, and fall asleep in my car. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I wasn't eating well because you just, you don't eat or you eat crap food. Um, I was eating every night all the fried food leftovers. So all the fried shallots and fried capers and fried everything. <laughs> That's a balanced diet. <laughs> um, and we went on vacation, my, my boyfriend and I, we still kept the, uh, like the Edgar tradition that we closed two weeks for Christmas and two weeks in summer. Okay. And we went to Chicago that year. And the first morning that we were out, he just said, why don't we close one of the restaurants? <laughs> and I just said, yeah. <laughs> let's do it <laughs> and and at the time uh, Edgar had just been on the food network um it was a crazy time people really wanted to get in we had not we didn't have enough space um and I said well and and I liked this neighborhood better so we kept this restaurant with like what it was so lunchtime and brunch and and too bad for the other restaurant i sold everything didn't make money didn't lose money it was fine i was just happy to be for it to be off of my hands um did you find it really refreshing when you when you came back to edgar and realized you could give a hundred percent of your yes. and it must have felt like the most liberating thing in the world it was such relief um, and I know I heard from other people and people who know people and people were um, saying things like how they knew I couldn't do two restaurants and how, wow. you know, you're not strong enough to run two and that's a stupid, like, nah, nah, nah. and, you know, it just, it's not that I, I don't know, I, I couldn't do it the way I wanted to do it. I find the I, people with the strongest opinions are the ones who accomplish the least. Maybe. Um, and, and I didn't want to do anything halfway. I wanted to still be cooking at both. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know the staff at both. Uh, I wanted to do the menus. I wanted to do too many things at too many restaurants. Um, and it took a while to recognize it. But once I recognized that, I also recognized so many things. Um, that I had the abilities uh, and um, that I have, and also that this is the type of cooking that I, I know how to do and how I'm comfortable to do, and this is who I am, and I will not try to be anyone else. Um, so once I got back to Edgar, I was so motivated. Um, that's also when gold medal plates happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sure like I got the invite to gold medal plates because I had a restaurant that served dinner. It's really sad to say, but in yeah. this industry, restaurants that only serve lunch or only serve breakfast are not really in the game. You know, they're not mm-hmm. considered true restaurants or you're not considered a chef. Um, so basically to a lot of people, I was kind of running a cafeteria. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, and I did back out of gold medal plates with the first invite. Um, because I didn't feel it was really my place. Um, and then I don't remember who, 
got me back in, if it was Anne or if it was um, Sue Holloway. But one of them just emailed me back and they said, you can't back out. <laughs> We're not letting you back out of this. <laughs> um, so, so we did it, you know, and um, I went in with no, no big expectations. I mean, it, And it's it's kind of useless to compare yourself to other restaurants, right? Because yeah. you can't control what they're going to do. Like, you have no control over that. You have control over the food that you make and and who you are and your identity and what you decide to put forward. So, what yeah. was your What was your dish that year? Um, we did a wild boar and rabbit um i don't know like sandwich whatever uh both meats were sous vide together and and it was like a, it looked like a slice of bacon but it was both those animals mm. um <laughs> with a lot of uh, quebec food so i really focused on parsnip and beets and turnip Um, I really wanted to showcase like a lot of veggies along with the meat. Um, I think maybe like a couple, well, was it the year before or after that, uh, Caroline, she won with a veggie dish. I'm not yeah, quite sure. The year before. before. I um, but I think like it wasn't quite, uh, the thing yet to be like veggie focused. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, we, We thought we took a chance with that, um, and, but it, it was what we wanted to do. And, and then going to the finals, um, I really pushed again, like uh, my Quebecois identity. I think that was super important to me because had I gone and won or not won um, to the finals uh, with a dish that didn't resemble me, I would have been mad. You know, mm -hmm. like if you do something that's not you and you don't win, you're like, well, it's because I did something that wasn't me. Yeah. Um, or like if you win, maybe at some point you'll have remorse and think like, oh, that was kind of like stupid of me to do that. But whatever, I won. Um, I really wanted to do like real Quebecois food when I went there. So I I, I had a lot of smoked stuff and uh, And I did a play almost on a pea soup. <laughs> and yeah, I didn't win, but I, I honestly didn't care. I mean, I just went and, and I was myself. Yeah, well, that's, that, that competition is like those kind of competitions. There's certain kind of chefs who actually like train to do those kind of. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I learned that on, on the spot. Like one yeah. guy had been, it was his eighth time. <laughs> yeah. So they know what to expect and, and yes. they know, whereas if you're used to just pushing through a restaurant service, it's, it's so foreign. It's, it's like a completely different, uh, a, a different discipline. So it's, but, but everyone I know who's gone to it, they seem to really enjoy the experience anyways, because it just, it's really challenging and, and, uh, just cool. Like it's something chefs, we don't really get that opportunity to compete like that and to, to, to feel like we're being put out in front, uh, like almost like what we're doing is the center of attention. Whereas at the restaurant, you're sort of hidden in the back and you're not the center of attention. You're sort of mm -hmm. just the caterer really. 
And, and also it's, it's the people you meet. Mm-hmm. And I always find like these things really uncomfortable, the, um, whatever competitions. Um, and I swore to myself, like not long after that, that I wouldn't do competitions ever again. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I, I really enjoy meeting people. Like, it's just like, whatever you take back home is, is not like your failure or whatever, like what happened with food. It, it's, it's with the people you meet. And there's still like some people that I do talk with that were there. Not not the guy that called me cupcake. Um, but... I don't know what it means, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> but the other ones, uh, I still speak to. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so is that where you sort of got a taste for for because you, you seem to be doing some stuff on TV and um, and. I don't know if that's like your intention to push your career in that direction, but, but is that sort of where you, you got inspired to maybe try that sort of thing and where you got exposed to the people who might make those connections? Um, I don't think gold metal plates really pushed uh, anything TV wise. Um, I've always been really comfortable with, um, with TV and um, uh, I don't know how to say like shows. Um, when I was, in, in my early twenties, I did a lot of, uh, like, uh, gymnastics and what, whatnot. And, um, my boyfriend at the time was uh, a performer. He, uh, he did a lot of busking. He, uh, he was like this, he did this really physical art. Uh, I don't know how to say how to explain. He was really into percussion and, um, mm. uh, he had a group and they traveled everywhere. And when I met him, I did some shows with him more like circus type shows. And I always found it like pretty amazing how I'm a really shy person, but I don't get nervous. And I think that's, that might be why some people are not as good on TV, mostly because you're super nervous and you're, you're um, all of a sudden really aware that, that there's someone filming you. Uh, or people watching you. And oddly, I don't have that. <laughs> um, and, and maybe I go, I got into the whole television circuit, I guess, because of, um, you got to eat here. Uh, John Kitucci and, uh, the film crew came to the restaurant and, um, I don't remember what year that was, but uh, quite a while ago. And um, from there, I got another little offer and then uh, other people contacted me and I'm just not, not shy in front of a camera. So I really, I like doing it. I'd rather do it in French sometimes because my English isn't always perfect, but <laughs> uh, right now. I try. Um <laughs> I like it. And again, it's, it's meeting people like film crews are, are units, you know, they're families. Uh, it's so amazing to watch from the outside. And maybe that's why I'm not nervous because while they are filming me, I'm, I'm analyzing them. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and I, I really love it. It's like the, it's just like, people who can read other people's minds and they're so at ease with one another. Like everything is just clicking and they're doing their job and I just find it beautiful. So do you think your TV career will be something that 
like I, I, I say career, but it's just like <laughs> something you're doing on the side. But, but do you see yourself moving sort of more in that direction or do you see it as a complement of your restaurant or are you just sort of going wherever the wind takes you and, and see and how it ends up? I've always told staff that it was a, a compliment, a compromise. There have been some things that I didn't want to do, like say uh, TV competitions. And I've done it so that it's publicity in a sense for the restaurant yeah uh, for people who don't know this you you don't get paid um <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. You, sometimes you pay your own gas to go to montreal mm-hmm. um and 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 it's to make the staff proud also i think then people are proud to to be working here to have been part of that project to um to be in that magazine um to whatever and and then to make my city proud i mean i I've, i've gone on shows and they've asked me to laugh about gatno uh, they're like come on come on like just like plug in a few jokes about Gatineau and how like the food scene sucks and how Gatineau is, uh, is like, uh, like not redneck, but almost redneck, whatever. And I'm like, no, I, I won't do that. I, I chose to live here. I love this city. Uh, I think it, there's a lot to offer. It's, it's like the parks here are magnificent. Um, and I love the people in this area. So I want to do those shows to make people proud that at least they're like, there's someone in their hood. There's someone in their city uh, on TV. That's so weird that they would want, they would invite you on the show, but then want you to insult the place you came from. That's mm-hmm. I can't think of too many other places in Canada where they, with the exception of Newfoundland, it seems like Newfies are always expected to make fun of Newfoundland. And, and it's like, yeah. Well, <laughs> why? Well, I mean, we have a funny accent sometimes, uh, and on on one show that I did, and it was thirteen episodes, and at the end of it, I got really tired because I was sometimes asked to do jokes about Gatineau. I was uh, they they ridiculed uh, like my accent sometimes, and um, also they were asking me to be sexy, uh, <laughs> which I am not. <laughs> I cannot work this sexy angle very much. So, or whether you are or not is, is really up to you. Yeah, you it, it's not really it. appropriate. But. Don't let some dude tell you to be sexy. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, I went like I did it, and I came out of it really pretty proud of the like the result. And um, there's a lot of bloopers and I found I was myself and I kept it funny. And um, also with TV shows, I want to, when I do them, I always go in thinking that I want to show people that it's not complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated. And I find that a lot of the shows want to make it seem more complicated than it really is Mm -hmm. and I don't really get that I don't know if it's for your ego or what but I really like a lot of chefs that push that like yeah especially old school chefs they 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 talk about secret recipes and they talk about so they make it seem like you know their their career is this thing that not everyone can do and 
and what they do is super hard, but really like you follow any recipe and it's, mm-hmm. it's relatively, everything's relatively straightforward. You just got to put a little effort into paying attention, but yeah. So I think chefs are to blame for, for that. For that. But that. a recipe also is a recipe. It's, it's all that it is. And then it falls into the hands of the person doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm never shy to share recipes and say like in magazines or, or books or whatever, because if, if another restaurant wants to use it as their own, well, okay, fine. It's not really admirable, but Hey, whatever. Um, but you'll never probably be able to do it like I do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we all cook a different way. Um, like we all have a different feel for me. For me, it really is a, a feel like I, I, I don't follow recipes. As I said, like in the beginning, I, I'm a big uh, wing it <laughs> person. <laughs> So like recipes are recipes and, and, you know, TV shows, whatever, find, find a TV show that you like, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's a huge future for uh, cooking shows. I don't know what will come next. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe there will be only cooking shows because people are worried there won't be restaurants next. So that that was my attempt to pivot (laughs) as we call it. What have you done at Edgar to sort of deal with COVID? It seems like it would be crazy not to talk about that uh, on the podcast. So uh, describe how you've uh, pivoted, as they say. Hmm. Well, in a sense, we didn't pivot much. We just went back to something that we were doing in the beginning. Um, because Edgar is in a uh, neighborhood when I opened and... Um, we didn't have many seats. Uh, I really wanted to maximize the space and my abilities and uh, be smart about money. Um, you're not always doing what you want to be doing, but you sometimes take decisions to uh, ensure that you survive. So we did take home meals in the beginning and we stopped for a while. And now with COVID, um, we're back at it. And we know how to do large quantities. We know how to package. We know uh, what can be reheated, the logistics of everything, what people can do at home. And, you know, I I find like with this, I've seen a lot of uh, pictures of take home. And sometimes, I mean, the sauce is on something that's going out and needs to be reheated. And I'm like, ooh, that'll, that won't work. (laughs) And so like we've, like we know, we know how to package it so that people can cook it well at home. I think that's the biggest challenge right now for restaurants, for those who aren't used to doing take-home food. It's, yeah, it's also understanding what goes on at home. Like, how are these people reheating it? Do they know what to do with it? And like, do they know what to mix with what? How to eat it? Uh, what? What is in my container? I don't know. <laughs> And people it seem to so be long just to figure out which takeout containers to use. Like it was so hard yeah. to <laughs> figuring out. Like there was so many problems that I, I had never even once considered before. And now we're yeah, that, that's a, it's funny you raise that. Like we make obviously pastas and we discovered that we had to make the pasta sauces a lot looser yeah. uh, to mm-hmm. put in the container because they just tighten up as it travels to the house. And if you're not careful, you'll send somebody 
spaghetti in tomato sauce. And by the time it gets to their house, they have like a, a red spaghetti brick. And then they'll say, wow, Adam's food is horrible. Yeah. But I mean, like it was great when it left your restaurant <laughs> and they did what they thought was right. It's just, it, it really is an adaptation. And, but yeah, that's, that's the way we're going. Uh, <laughs> and right now that's how we're comfortable. We, I kept the unit, like we did one week, um, just two of us and, um, Stephanie who needs a, a big kudos in, the, all my life. <laughs> um, she's been my anchor for like more than three years now. Um, I'm just going to cry and say like, she's the most awesome person ever. Uh, and we thought we were able to do like these massive quantities by ourselves. Mm. Uh, we started our first week and we did 80 boxes for two or four people. And uh, so that's like 160 to say 240 meals. Um, like by we're ourselves here. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, yeah, it's going to be okay. We need two days to prep this and, and, oh do my it. God. and then on the Thursday, I think Thursday night, both of us like were crying. Like she said, she was doing dishes and she was crying <laughs> and I was home and I was crying. And then we admitted to it like two days later. So we were like, okay, you know, <laughs> can't do this the two of us um so then we brought in another staff um amy uh, which is also super duper incredibly amazing and talented uh, i am so lucky to have these two people with me um and it's it's the three of us it's been the three of us for a month and a half now and this is such a strange situation that you kind of have to respect like space, like space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, distance between ourselves and the kitchen and the demand would be so much bigger. Like we could do so much more. I'm sure people would love it. Um, but at the same time, I don't want us to be 15 in the kitchen anymore. Yeah. I don't feel it's safe like, or, or smart. Like, mostly I don't, I don't think it's smart and it's not, um, it's kind of a lack of respect. Also, I find towards my staff to just have them like work to the bone and let's make as much money as we can and take advantage of this situation. Um, I think I really turned it around and right now we are working four days a week and the three of us, at least we try and we're having proper staff meals. We make ourselves lunch and we have pee breaks. Um, <laughs> Revolutionary. <laughs> yeah. We also try and do our planning while we're here, not at home at night when we're tired, not placing our orders at 1230 at night. Um, we're trying to work gardening into our schedule as well and um, we're trying to have fun and I think I'm trying to offer somewhat of a normal life that we'll never have again uh, in this restaurant setting probably uh, for at least the three of us for now do you think that's going to happen do you think you think it's not going to go back to normal that, that it'll be forever changed 
at least for us, it will be like the three of us are really enjoying this time. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and neither of us want to go back working to six or seven days a week and working like extra long hours. And there's things that you, like, there's things that we miss. We miss like the stress and, and we miss like cooking, hearing, as I said, like all those people in the dining room and we really feed off of, of people's joy and it's missing right now. We're really packaging food and, and we do like one pop-up a week and we might up it to two, um, soon. And that is where we find our joy right now. Uh, we see people come at the door and everyone's smiling. They're, they're really happy about picking up like hot food and we'll try and make it really exciting and, and fun and wild and not run out of food. Like we did our first week of, um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a dis- not a disaster, but it wasn't, it wasn't fun. <laughs> Um, I had to go out and tell people that we had like like 25 lobster rolls left. And then I, I walked up to the stop sign at the corner of our street. And, and then the lady said, well, you have to tell all the people behind me uh, huh. that you're running out of food. And then I turned the corner and I think it had to be about like 60, 80 people. Oh, God. And I... <laughs> I just started crying. <laughs> I felt so bad. Um, but we weren't expecting this. And I think it's the thing to remember as well for all restaurants right now. We don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Like none of us are prepared for anything that's going on. Yeah. Like, my, like you in, in Ontario today, you can open patios, right? Yeah. Like no yeah. one knows what to expect. We're, we're building ours for next week. Uh, but, and, and I've never seen the staff, like the cooks and the, everyone was so excited. And I think it was, it, it, it's a lot of what we were talking about. Like people, you get into this business because you like serving people and, and mm-hmm. feeding people and, and you like hosting the party. And, and for months now we haven't been able to host a party and it's been, nope. everyone's going crazy. And so, yeah, we, and, and especially like, everyone who works for me is a, is a fine dining chef or a fine dining cook. They like making, you know, touch heavy plates and, and suddenly there's just, you know, we're just scooping pasta into plastic containers. And so everyone's really mm-hmm. excited to get back to, to like putting little pickles on top of. <laughs> um, <laughs> I miss salt, salting. I miss oh. like fleur de sel or Malden, whatever, just like that. One touch that says it's done. It's going out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just something about like just handling the plates, and now all our plates are saran wrapped on top of a wire rack. And our <laughs> my, my plate warmer hasn't been on for months, and it's just full of plastic containers. It's yeah, it's it's been crazy. But but I'm I'm personally hopeful that things will get back to normal. But but what, what you were saying is whether or not the guests come back to normal, you think you're going to change the way you do business? Is that, is that what you were getting at? Like with the four day work weeks and stuff like that? I think so. Um, we were really like, we just had our liquor license as well. A few, like a month before all of this happened. Mm. Um, and we really wanted to shift towards um, changing a lot of the products we were working with produce, whatever we're like, I guess we use a lot of local, but we wanted to really emphasize it. 
And we really wanted to do like themed evenings, <laughs> like somewhat big parties for a lot of people in the restaurant, which will not happen anytime soon. But we were, we were really going towards that. And it's still in our minds. So until we can get there, uh, like we'll keep on going at least for summer with takeout and we'll try to bring the party to people's houses. Mm -hmm. That'll be, that'll be our focus. And then what will stay? Yes. Um, I think lighter work weeks. I find myself, I'm an accomplishment junkie. Uh, I like crossing stuff off a list. I like thinking that I did all of this, that I was able to do it all. And I think the girls I work with are just the same. Like, like we love busy services. We like when we beat records, we, um, mm-hmm. it's just, so we have to keep on thinking that way, but change it a bit. Um, so that we're not totally uh, drained once the day is over. Because um, we like having our weekends. We're not w- working on re- weekends, any of us, right now. <laughs> yeah, I um, this, is, this is great. I have time for my family as well. Um, what, a, what a thought. I know. Um, it's, you know, I, as much as I, I loved it when, like, it was during busy, like, a busy brunch service, and I, I saw my son um, in the window. I saw him come in and... Uh, I couldn't see him, but he was super excited and he loves people. So he loved walking around the dining room and, and just saying hi to people. And <laughs> I, I think I really enjoy more being next to him uh, in his little kiddie pool um, and like having fun with dinosaurs right now. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We switched to four day work weeks at North and Navy a couple of years ago. And, and I couldn't believe how much of a difference it makes. It, it, it changes things in so many different ways. It's not just how energized everyone is when they're actually at work, but also because if everyone's working fewer days, that means you need more staff on just to, mm-hmm. to fill the gaps on the schedule. And that means when, when somebody gets sick or somebody has a family emergency or something, it's so much easier to, to cover them because there's so many extra people. Whereas, you know, coming up in the industry, I always worked at restaurants where we were always like two people short. And if somebody oh called in sick, there just actually wasn't somebody to cover them. And like, I'm sure you've worked so many shifts where you were already understaffed and now you're down another person and it's just crazy. And, and I find we haven't really experienced very much of that since we went down to the four day work week. Well, I, I look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's liberating. And if you're working long days, you still get full-time hours, uh, because that's one thing that you can't really change about the restaurant industry is that to, to do the food right, you do need to be there for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so in four days, you can get 40 hours, no problem. Uh, and then that means you have three days to yourself. And, and it doesn't need to be 40 hours in front of an oven sweating. Yeah. No. Uh, like I said, like taking the time to do our food orders and planning and, and, and working in like gardening into our schedule right now is really amazing. So we'll really like keep that going. (laughs) Well, that's good to hear. I think you and I could probably talk for another four hours, but uh, (laughs) I think we do have to wrap this up because we're getting to the end of our time limit. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining me, even though we had some technical difficulties that we had to work through. (laughs) Mostly my (laughs) fault. 
and, uh, and I look forward to talking to you again. Yes, likewise. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to At The Pass. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a nice review. And feel free to get in touch. My email is adam at northandnavy.com. Thank you.